And we're going to finish up, most likely we'll finish up today looking at our study on angels in the spirit world. And we've seen some really interesting things and uh, we really started looking on the positive side, looking at God's holy angels and how they are made to praise God around the throne. They lead out in the music in God's creation. They are singing constantly around the throne and praising God for His holiness. And that that's a wonderful gift in life and that we are allowed to join our voices with the angels in praising God. And we've done that this morning. Uh, we, when we sing this morning, that's what we're doing. In a very real way, we are joining our voices with the praise that's around the throne of God right now. And the angels are the ones who are, who are leading that and uh, singing. And that's a wonderful gift of God. We also saw how angels cover. They have a covering activity, which is kind of mysterious. But that they cover, when they're in the presence of God, they cover their, their face. They cover their bodies. As an act, uh, also I think an example for us that... Uh, we're to respect God's presence and the power and the authority and the holiness of His presence. And the angels demonstrate that by covering themselves with their wings. And that shows us that we ought to be very respectful of God's presence and realize we can't just barge into God's presence and He's the holy ruler of all the universe and we're to be very respectful of that. They also cover they covered the mercy seat uh, where God would come down and receive the blood sacrifice. We talked about that. So we saw the positive examples of God's holy angels, and now we've begun to look at the negatives of the fallen angels, and Satan, who, was, who led the uh, rebellion against God, and uh, what we see in the Bible about what he does in the world. And I think that's very informative for us, too. We talked about how as God gifted the angels with music, God gifted Satan with music. He had all these musical abilities, and he has taken that, and he uses that now for evil. And there's a lot of, that's a big tool of Satan in the world, and there's a lot of evil music, and you hear it every day when you go out in public, when you go shop in a grocery store, when you get gas, you hear it blaring out of speakers and, and automobiles and trucks. Satan was gifted in that area, and he is using that now against God to promote all kinds of immorality and rebellion and sinful things. We need to be on guard about that. We need to be wise about that. I'm, I really press this upon you younger ones. Please be aware of that and be on guard. Don't give your mind, just open it to all the music of the world. Satan is behind a lot of that, and he is going to corrupt your mind with that. you got to be wise about that. That's a very important lesson to learn. Typically, we grow up, I went through the same thing, and you hear the music of the world, and you say, man, that sounds good. Let me listen to that. And it's full of all kinds of junk. And you go, well, what can that hurt? It doesn't hurt. It feels, it sounds good. It makes me feel good. And it leads us down the path of rebellion. And it's Satan's trick. He's tricking us, and he's pulling us captive into his pit that he's in. And uh, so many have gone down that road. 
And uh, thankfully, I went down that road for a while as a teenager, and God opened my eyes. I went to a, a youth meeting uh, one point, one, one uh, weekend, and a young man got up and began to talk about all the rock and roll music that I was listening to and began to play it and say, look at what this says. Does, is that what God wants or is that what Satan wants? And it opened my eyes and I realized as a teenager, who I thought, oh, what does it matter? It does, oh, this is not a big deal. He hit me that night. He's like, I'm listening to what Satan wants me to listen to. I want to do what God wants. And I changed. That night I changed. And I began to put it away. This is a very common thing. And Satan is behind it. He was gifted with music and he is using that. So please be wise about that. Please be wise. Stay away from it. If it's, if it's music that sings about evil things and it makes, gives you an attitude of thinking, I can do whatever I want, I don't have to listen to anybody, I don't listen to God, that's Satan's music. And it's the rock and roll and the big heavy beat stuff that is ramping you up to say, I can do whatever I want. Don't tell me what I can do. I can't do. That's Satan's rebellious attitude. And he fosters that through music. So we looked at that. It's very important to understand that. And then we talked about uh, a, a, a lot of what he has in that music is, is to promote sexual immorality. And we talked about that. And that is rampant. And it really uh, it happened in our country in the 60s. And ever since then, we've been in a terrible downfall, uh, free fall in the immorality. And by and large, it's motivated through the music of the world and dancing. And just be aware of that. The goal of that is try to create immoral, romantic relationships to happen. And it's happening every weekend. It works. Satan is being effective. And people are being pulled down into his pit with him through music. So we have to understand that. So we've looked at some negative things. It's not, you know, not always fun to look at negative things, but it's important for us to understand the enemy's tactics against us so we don't get fooled. So we don't get deceived. And we're going to wrap it up looking at that some more today. And with what we have in Revelation 12, we have Satan exposed of what, who he is, what he's doing, and uh, what God's going to do with him. So let's look at that. Uh, chapter 12, verse 1. John sees a, uh, a sign, a picture, a symbolic picture that uh, contains three figures. Now a great sign appeared in heaven, a woman clothed with the sun and the moon under her feet and on her head a garland of twelve stars. Then being with child, she cried out in labor and in pain to give birth. Now the woman, it's symbolic, and uh, we understand that is the nation of Israel. The twelve stars represent the twelve tribes, and uh, it is the nation of Israel that birthed Jesus. So the child is Jesus, and God used uh, Israel to bring Jesus into the world, so Israel is the woman, the child is Jesus. Verse 3, and another sign appeared in heaven. That's, again, that's the positive, now here's the negative. Another sign appeared in heaven, behold, a great fiery red dragon, having seven heads and ten horns, and seven diadems on his heads. His tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth, and the dragon stood before the woman who was ready to give birth to devour her child as soon as it was born. She bore a male child who was to rule all nations with a rod of iron. That's clearly Jesus. 
and her child was caught up to God in his throne. Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God that they should feed her there 1,260 days. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon, and the dragon and his angels fought, but they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. So the great dragon was cast out, that serpent of old, called the devil and Satan, who deceives the whole world. He was cast to the earth, and his angels were cast out with him. Then I heard a loud voice in, saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come. For the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. And they overcame him by the blood of the lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they did not love their lives to the death. Therefore rejoice, O heavens, and you who dwell in them. Woe to the inhabitants of the earth and the sea. For the devil has come down to you having great wrath because he knows that he has a short time. All right, so the third figure in that story, or the symbol, is the dragon. There's the woman, the child, and the dragon. The dragon, the fiery red dragon, who is devouring, deceiving and devouring, and, and that is identified in the text. We don't have to speculate. It goes on and says the dragon was Satan and the devil. These two names are Satan and the devil. We'll talk about what those mean. But this is Satan. He is a fallen angel. And we looked at Ezekiel 28 and Isaiah 14, the two texts in the Old Testament that gives us some information about Satan's fall. And we saw there that Satan was apparently the top angel covering the throne of God. And he got lifted up because of his outward beauty and said... I don't want to turn focus on God and have all the angels worship Him and sing about Him. I want all the angels to sing about me. I want them to sing about my beauty and my talent. And it said Satan got lifted up in his heart and said, I want all the angels to worship me. And he fell because he then began to compete with God and say, I want everybody to worship me and not God. That's the chief sin. The chief sin is not worshiping God. He's the creator. Satan committed that chief sin and said, I want everybody to worship me. I want my angel, fellow angels to worship me. And this text explains to us that he convinced a third of the angels to follow him. To say, we're going to worship you, Lucifer, and not God. A third of the angels. We don't know, the Bible doesn't tell us how many angels there are. Revelation chapter 4 and 5 indicate that it's a big number. It just says 10,000 times 10,000 and thousands upon thousands. It's a big, big number in the number in the millions, perhaps billions. A third of them, however many that is, a third of them followed Satan. It says there, if you look back, verse 4, his tail drew a third of the stars of heaven and threw them to the earth. And we talked about this earlier that many times angels are called stars. Book of Job, they're called stars. You, and someone might say, well, it says the stars of heaven. How can you know that's angels? Well, remember what we just read. Many times the Bible interprets itself. Here's an example that, that later on these verses we read, uh, verse 7, it says, and the dragon and his angels fought. So right there, it identifies these stars as angels. A third of the stars were a third of the angels who followed Satan. And Satan then 
is set on a war against Jesus on the earth and all of those who follow him. And that's what these verses said, that he, uh, he was waiting to try to devour the child as soon as it was born. He did not succeed in that. And then he turned his focus, it says, on the woman who birthed the child, meaning all of the believers in Israel, and all of those that follow and believe on Jesus. Satan is at war with Jesus and all those who follow him. And that tells us that if you're a believer in Jesus Christ, if you're a follower of him, Satan is at war with us. He is our enemy. We are in a war. And in a war, we need to understand the enemy of what he is like, what he wants to do, for us to be effective at fighting against him. That's always a major, a very basic part of warfare is knowing your enemy, studying your enemy, knowing what they do, what, how they're going to operate. Because if you don't, then you are vulnerable. You are uh, ignorant of how they may attack you and you can be uh, deceived and you can be taken advantage of. It's a major part of war. Why we're so vulnerable right now, it's a part of the judgment of God, is that China is at war. With, they're plotting all kinds of ways to bring down America, and they're already putting it into to action. COVID was one of those. They released it to come over here and, undermine, and totally uh, do all that it, was, that it did, and it worked. And to get us in all kinds of debt, they're at war with us, but we're not studying of what they're trying to do. Our government is saying, oh, we're just going to be friends with China. See, that's a part of this example. We need to know our enemy. Um, and so that's why it's important for us to talk about this this morning and to look at this. The devil is a dragon who is seeking to war against God, against Jesus, and uh, against us. You say, war, isn't that strong word? That's exactly the wording of verse 7. Look at that again. And war broke out in heaven. Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. And the dragon and his angels fought. But they did not prevail, nor was a place found for them in heaven any longer. Now, this has not happened yet. This is future. If you'll read... Bible teachers on this, Bible commentaries, many of them will say it's already happened in the past. But the context here is clear. We have to let Scripture speak for what it says. And you look at here and it says that um, this clearly happened after Christ came and was caught up to God in His throne. But look at verse uh, 6. Is Then the woman fled into the wilderness where she has a place prepared by God. They should feed her there 1,260 days. That's three and a half years. That's mentioned in verse 12 also. And it's in the context of Revelation. It's the last three and a half years of the years of tribulation. The seven years of tribulation. That's still future. This has not happened yet. It will happen in the middle of the tribulation. Something will happen that motivates the dragon, Satan, to charge heaven and to attack it. 
to carry out an assault, like in a war, where he assaults heaven with his troops, his angels, and they assault heaven in the middle of the tribulation, in the three and a half year period, the question is, what has happened to so infuriate him? What is happening there? And uh, we won't look into that detail, but I think, it, I think it was the rapture just happened, and that's why he's charging heaven saying, you can't have those people. They need to be back down here. You can't take them away from me. I think that's what's going on here. But it's future. Regardless of the certainty, it's future. It hasn't happened yet, but when it happens, what a sight and scene that's going to be. Star Wars never happened, never will happen, but this will happen. There, this is going to be the real Star Wars in the future. There's going to be a galactic battle that's going to happen, and it's going to be awesome to behold. I think we probably will behold it. I think we're going to be there in heaven, and we're going to probably be able to see it. So get your popcorn ready, I guess, and you get ready to see the real Star Wars one day. So... The dragon and his angels attack heaven. Michael, it says Michael and his angels fought with the dragon. So Michael here is presented as the top angel now. Because it says his angels, Michael and his angels. So uh, it indicates that there is a hierarchy in uh, the angelic host, much like the military. There is the leaders and then the troops. And that's how the angels are organized also. I believe that's how they were organized at the beginning. And I think Satan, it indicates Satan was that top one. He fell. Michael was one of the archangels. And he stepped up, was promoted up to be the top uh, angel. He fights against the devil. And it says he wins. Of course, God always wins when uh, God tries to fight the devil. You say, well... Uh, how, how's the devil accomplishing so much? Because God's letting him. And that's something we have to understand. God has allowed Satan to carry out his rebellion for all these years. He allows him to do what he's doing on the earth to give man a free choice to decide who he's going to follow, whether he's going to follow Jesus or follow Satan. God is allowing that. It's a part of his purposes of allowing this, this choice to play out to see where everyone's going to go. So he's allowing this enemy to fight. But whenever God decides to take care of Satan, there's no contest. I mean, there's no contest. It's over before it starts. And uh, that's how it's presented here. Michael has no problem taking care of Satan and uh, his angels. And uh, Satan does not prevail. And they're kicked out of heaven. Indicates uh, from then on, for the last three and a half years... They are, have no uh, access anymore like they did before. Look at verse 9. Let's talk about his names. The great dragon was that serpent of old. That's the serpent in the Garden of Eden who deceived Eve. He's called the devil and Satan. The name Satan is really the, uh, the main name of uh, this fallen angel. The word Satan means adversary. It means an opponent, enemy, adversary. That's who the devil is. This is what God is showing us. We are at war and our main enemy is Satan. And he's trying to get us, the way he 
trips us up and defeats us is trying to get us to follow him and commit the same sin he did. To not worship God, but to worship a false God. And to follow sin, to follow sinful things in following false worship, but ultimately that false worship is following Satan, worshiping Satan, whether we realize it or not. And that's how he's our enemy. He's our adversary. His goal is to try to get us to sin against God and to not worship God, but to worship Satan by following ourselves, our own feelings, following the world, following the crowd. Um, it, it, earlier, the verses referred to the dragon as having seven heads and ten horns, seven diadems, and that, that symbolism is explained in the next chapter as the, uh, the uh, ten-nation confederacy that Satan is going to, to rise up as a one-world government in the end, in, these, in, the, in the seven years of tribulation. And it's going to be headed by one man who's called the Beast and the Antichrist in other books of the Bible. And just as God put His man on the earth, His child, Jesus, who is to rule the nations, Satan tries to put his man, raises his man up through this ten-nation group to try to be the ruler over the world. See, he's competing. He's trying to get the world to follow him instead of following Jesus and following God. And uh, the world will follow. Chapter 13 tells us he will, the world will follow the beast, the Antichrist, for the seven years of tribulation. He'll have a head wound. He'll survive a head wound, probably in a battle, some sort of uh, military conflict, uh, the wars on the earth that Jesus said would happen. There'll be wars and rumors of wars continually. And in the, some sort of warfare conflict, this leader will have a head wound and, the, and then, and then uh, miraculously, it'll appear he recovers like he was back from the dead and the world will marvel and follow the beast. So Satan will succeed for seven years to his goal, to get the, everyone to follow his man and following him. That's Satan's goals for you and me. He wants us to follow his plan of sinning against God and not worshiping God, not letting God be God in our life, but following sin and others. And that's Satan's goal for you and me. We need to understand that. We need to think about that on a regular basis. When we are confronted with temptation that pulls us toward it, we need to remember, oh, this is, a, this is a, an attack. This is a, a war against me to try to trick me, to pull me down into Satan's uh, sorry pit that he's in. He's trying to <clears throat> pull us into the same pit with him with that temptation. <clears throat> we need to remember the reality of it all. It's a war. Much like if you were in a real uh, physical war and then you had some spies come in and somebody is really uh, trying to trick you and trying to lure you to go do something and they could be successful, they could be, sound really good and you might get pulled into that unless you know and think about, hey, they're working for the enemy. They're lying to me. They're not going to give me something good. They're trying to kill me. When you can think about that, then you can be strong against their tricks. And that's what we need to think about. We need to realize Satan's our enemy. He's our adversary. That's who he is. That's what his name means. He's Satan. He has nothing good for us. He wants to kill and destroy us. And he'll trick and lie to us 
he'll try to manipulate us through playing on our feelings, our fears, the crowd, pressure of the crowd, all kinds of things to try to trip us up, to pull us down into his pit, and we need to realize that, think about that, he is Satan, our enemy. That's the first thing that he does. That's the first activity he's trying to trip us up. The second then follows this name, the devil. The name devil means accuser or slanderer. And you see how they work together. Satan comes along and he's trying to, he tries to play like he's our friend. And he's like, oh, this is going to help you. Man, this is going to give you something that's really good. You, you can't miss out on this. You need to go down this road with a temptation. And if he can trip us up, then he's gotten us to sin and he's accomplished that in our life. Then he turns around and he goes to God and he says, did you see what that guy did? Did you see what she did? That person can't be your child. That person can't go to heaven. And he accuses us before God. That's what the name devil means. That's his role of slandering us. Look at it again in verse 10. He mentions it. Then I heard a loud voice saying in heaven, Now salvation and strength and the kingdom of our God and the power of his Christ have come for the accuser of our brethren who accused them before our God day and night has been cast down. He's the accuser of the people that are saved. And he accuses them before God and says, Look at what they've done. Look at, who they, look at what they do. You can't give them this. You can't give them that. And verse 10 says, he accuses them before God day and night. So there's something that we need to put into our theology, something we don't think about a lot, is Satan has access to God, some way that he communicates with God, even as a fallen angel. And he's telling God, talking about us, talking about God's people and saying, accusing them and saying, you don't need to give them this, you don't need to give them that. Just like Job. Remember Job? God came and said, oh, God said, you consider my servant Job. And, and Satan said, well, if you'll take away this from him, he'll curse you to your face. Job's not anything. Job's just playing, playing you, God. Job's not going to stay with you. God, he's not going to serve you. That's his role of accusing the brethren. And Satan's work is to do that for you and for me. He does that. He says, the brethren, that's plural, that's everybody. I'm sure Satan focuses maybe strategically on certain, maybe ones more strategically than others, maybe, but I'm sure he tries to get around to everybody sometime. And his work is all out there trying to, it's accessing everybody. His work is to accuse us before God of our weaknesses, our shortcomings, our sins. So we need to think about this. Think about how the enemy is working. He's first working to try to deceive us. It said there several times he's deceiving the nations, trying to deceive us to sin, to make the same mistake he did. And then when we do, when we do uh, go into sin, he goes to God and he says, do you see what they did? Look at what they did. And he accuses us and slanders us before God. So we need to understand that about Satan. That's what he does. He's Satan and he's the devil. That's his two names, and that's his activity. Now, I think that can be helpful to us. Sometimes, that, uh, somewhat, that can be discouraging. 
You know, you're saying, well, my boy, every, boy, every time I've sinned, that's what's been going on. That's what he did. Boy, I'm, I must, you know, I, I can't show my face to God. And that's where we need to remember the truths. God's mercy is there for us. Romans chapter 6, 7, and 8 are ones we need to really know and study. And Romans 6 says that where sin abounded, in the chapter 5, where sin abounded, grace abounded much more. And God's grace through His Holy Spirit is given to us that we can overcome, we can have forgiveness, and we can have victory even over sinfulness in our life through God's help, through God's strength. But we've got to keep, we've got to serve, keep our focus on God. We've got to stay in His Word. We've got to pray. We've got to keep our, uh, stay close to God and uh, stay close to our leader. If we go astray and get out, especially get out in enemy territory, we need to be very much on guard because we can be vulnerable. We can be weak to Satan's game of tripping us up and then accusing us before God. But if we'll think about that and realize this is what's happening, I think it can help us. It can help us that uh, God's grace is always there for us. And if we have tripped up, we have uh, gone the wrong direction, when, as soon as we realize it, we confess that to God and say, God, I've been going the wrong way. I want to change. I want to, I'm, I'm going to stop doing this. I am going to do what you say. I trust you. I put my trust in you that uh, you're right and Satan's wrong and I'm just going to trust you. That's faith. We overcome Satan by our faith. In God's grace and forgiveness, Jesus' blood on the cross, His resurrection, and in God's Word that promises to forgive us. In fact, look at verse 11. This is what he talks about. And they, notice, they overcame, past tense, they overcame him by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony, and they did not love their lives to the death. So we overcome Satan by putting our trust in the blood of Jesus that it does cleanse our sin. By the word of our testimony, we are believing in that. We're repenting, we're believing in that. And we are confessing and returning to God in our relationship whenever we need to. And being devoted to God, not loving our lives to death, loving God, number one, over everything. That's worship of God. Worshiping God is you put Him number one. And you're willing to even die for Him. You do not love your lives to the death. You're willing to die. If it comes down to that, you're willing to lay your life on the line. That is true commitment to Jesus. Like I said, it's warfare. It's the wording here. What happens in warfare? When you sign up, if you young men, you sign up for war, what does that mean? What do you know that means? That means you are uh, likely, it is a possibility that you could not come back from that military service. You could be laying your life down. That's a real possibility. You're going to go out and fight. They're going to shoot at you. You could die. Same word in here. That we're willing to even lay down our lives for Jesus. And in the book of Revelation, many do. The two witnesses were just presented in chapter 11. It's the context of this. They laid down their lives. They died. God protected them for three and a half years so he could, they could share their message. But then God says, you're done. Your, your, your work is completed and you did good. 
And God allows Satan to take their life. You say, why would he do that? Because we're all headed to death. We're all under the curse of death. And that's the, cycle, that's the process we're in. It's going to happen. So they did not love their lives to death, and they gave their lives for, for Jesus. They're dead three and a half days, and God raises them back and calls them up to heaven, because I think that's the time of the rapture. I think there's another evidence for it. They're raptured up to heaven. They're at the middle of the tribulation. And true devotion to Christ is, we say, we're in a war. I'm willing to lay down my life for Jesus. So with all of this, we realize it could be, we, 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 we feel very defeated, can feel defeated in our sin, but we realize we uh, are on the winning side. We had the victory. That's exactly what the wording here is. And they overcame him. The word overcome is a word of victory in this battle. And we overcome Satan in this war. And that's why I think the rapture has happened, because the wording is the battle's over. Now the power of Christ, the kingdom of Christ has come, and they have overcome past tense. And I believe that means it's the end of the church age. It's the end of this present age, and that means we've been raptured. There is coming a time of victory, and we are on the winning side. We have victory over this work of Satan to oppose us and to accuse us. We have victory over that. We need to remember that. We need to put that in our mind. Uh, as we deal with this battle that we can be very weak in, we need to realize Christ has defeated Satan, our enemy, and we have access to that victory through our faith. But it comes down to our faith. You've got to believe God more than you trust your feelings. You've got to believe God more than you trust the crowd. You've got to believe God more than whatever else you want. You've got to trust God more. That's your faith. That's true faith. And that's how we overcome Satan. That we believe God is more than Satan and we follow God and we turn away from Satan's rebellion of sin. So this is, what, this is who Satan is. This is what he does. So remember these two things. Satan means he's our enemy. He is our opponent. It means adversary. And that means he's up to no good. He wants to kill us. He's our adversary. That's what Satan means. Second name is devil. It means accuser. That he is, it's the word diabolos. And it, is, it means he is, he talks bad about you before God. He slanders you. And he says, this person doesn't deserve to go to heaven. He deserves to go to hell. What, are you, what do you think you're doing? You can't let them be saved. And Jesus' blood answers the devil every time he says that. The blood of Jesus has paid for that. But it's the blood of Jesus that also then motivates us from here on to say, I need to obey the next time because Jesus had to shed his blood for me. He died for me and I need to obey him and I need to stop listening to the devil. I need to get my act together. That's the work of God in us to bring strength and power, power of Christ in our life. Where we say, I'm going to obey God. I'm not going to listen to Satan. I'm not going to follow my, my own wrong feelings. I'm going to listen to God and I'm going to do what He says because He's the sovereign ruler of the universe and Jesus is the King of the earth and we're going to serve Him. That's the big picture of what's happening on the earth. Life on the earth. 
Revelation 12 really captured all of that. Very informative. And it tells us what's going to happen in the future. And it's going to wrap up in seven years and in the last three and a half years where Jesus is going to come back. He's going to take his, uh, his uh, body out before this last final war and Satan's going to pour out of this war on Israel. Israel's going to come to faith in Christ and then Christ is going to return to save them at the end of that time, at the end of the tribulation. And Satan's going to take, uh, or Jesus is going to defeat the Antichrist who's fighting, uh, gathering all the nations at war against God. And he's going to throw him into, into hell. And Jesus is going to go to Jerusalem and he's going to set up his throne there in the temple that rightfully belongs to him. And then Jesus is going to renew the earth and rule over it for a thousand years and all the saved are going to serve Him. That is what's coming in the future. The question is, are you going to be in that? Or are you going to miss that? The way to be a part of that, the winning side is repent of your sin and confess your sin to God. Repent, be sorry, and believe on Jesus and give your heart to Jesus fully to serve Him with all your life. And uh, you'll be part of that kingdom in this war by Satan and the devil to, uh, to cast us down like he was cast down. But Jesus is going to cast him down. All right, let's pray. Lord, we thank you for all of this information you give us about angels and about Satan and his rebellion and how that uh, gives us the knowledge we need to know. It gives us some insights that will help us and just give us your strength, Lord, uh, Jesus, you're the one that has the power. You're the only one that defeated the devil. You're the only one that has power over sin, that succeeded in that. Give us your power. Give us your strength. And help us to turn away from sin and to serve you as we, as we uh, wait for you to return. And as we... Uh, Wait for your victory to be uh, unleashed and carried out on the earth against Satan and his uh, angels and against the uh, Antichrist and all unbelievers on the world. Thank you for the victory you give us through the Lord Jesus Christ. Help us to be stronger this week as we think about these things and not be tripped up and not be deceived by all the things that uh, the world pursues. In Jesus' name we pray, amen.